This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Red Beach from Whitesnake and Winger, and you're listening to The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. The place to be for great rock and roll discussions and new rock music. everybody it is jay scott this is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast hope you're doing well hope you're staying safe and staying healthy i know numbers are spiking across the country with covid19 and i just hope and keep my fingers crossed that we get through this again and you know we don't have the numbers that we had you know since march i hope they start to go down i really hope they do i mean it's just been a struggle for a lot of people I know myself, I haven't been to a show since November of last year. I saw Big Wreck at the Bottom Lounge in Chicago, Canadian band. If you haven't heard them, go check them out. They're incredible. But, yeah, I am missing going to concerts. I I am missing seeing live shows and getting that energy and getting that just feeling, the hair standing up on my arms and neck and... It's been rough. It's been rough for a lot of people, and hopefully we can get back to normal soon or some kind of normal or whatever that entails. But we are here for you. We offer the escape with music commentary, interviews, and great guests like the one we have today. She is a returning guest. It's been, I think, since March or April since she was on. I'd like to welcome back to the Hook Rocks, Jade Alicia. How you doing? I'm great, Jay. Thank you for having me on again. Yeah, it's been too long. I I love what we did last time. A lot of people gave great feedback. It was great. Uh, We talked about, you know, the importance of music merchandise, your own journey in rock and roll, which started with, I think, Mm -hmm. Y&T. Yes, Y&T. And uh, it was just a great show, and I'm glad to have you back on. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm so happy that you offer this platform that people to be able to understand kind of multiple point of views in the music industry, especially with everything going on right now, you guys always have a myriad of guests. So there's always a different perspective uh, that you guys offer your listeners. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because what I'd like to talk about today is something that I've spoken about several times. And I think I'm kind of evolving and changing my thought process as time goes by. And that topic is, you know, are rock fans really killing rock and roll? And it's an interesting question because 
we see the classic rock bands still play stadiums, still play arenas, still be a big ticket item. Motley Crue, ACDC is going to be touring. All these big classic rock bands still draw big crowds. But is that the crowd that's really going to keep rock and roll at the forefront? Sure, there's going to be younger people in that audience and younger people are going to go see them. But I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in the 80s. You know, I grew up with the glam metal scene of the 80s. I don't remember my mother and father and other adults who were my age. I'm 45 now, who are my age back then getting excited about the new Cinderella record, getting excited about, you know, <laughs> Def Leppard. You know, they were still stuck right. in their bands, the Beatles and the Stones and Chuck Berry and all that stuff. So if you compare it to back then, it's it's virtually the same thing. It hasn't changed. You know, it's, it's you know, but granted, I don't think a lot of bands were playing football stadiums, you know, back then. I think the Stones were probably the only rock band that was doing that. But yeah. Pop music still ruled back then. Michael Jackson and Prince and Madonna and all those. Oh, acts. of course. Yeah. So, are we are we stuck in something that mindset that really we shouldn't really care what people my age are listening to, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to gauge because uh, me, from my perspective, like me speaking to you about this, right? So you're in the same age range as my parents. So it's my dad was the same way, you know, growing up, he was a big metalhead, a big punk guy. So he was going to all those shows. And of course, you know, pop, you were forced to listen to it pretty much. If you had MTV, you had to listen to Madonna at least once. Right. So I think it is kind of your generation's responsibility since now, um, a lot of you have children or family members who are young now to kind of try and influence them that way. Because I know if I didn't have my father, you know, who knows what I would be listening to right now, probably whatever top 40 is, which I don't even know (laughs) who plays on the radio anymore because I don't listen to it. But I think the influence that the older generation has uh, is really important on people now. And also just, um, the cyclical factor of everything, you know, everything from the eighties and nineties is coming back now. So the music included, you know, I, I see some of my friends, uh, who I went to high school with, you know, posting about, I saw some Eddie Van Halen posts and I'm like, Whoa, like, this is great. You guys know who Eddie Van Halen is. So, um, I think there's definitely, um, a lasting impact. Um, on the nostalgia that the 80s had to offer that is appealing to people in my age range as well. I do see that. You know, I have a 15-year-old son who I've talked about many times on this podcast, and he and his friends love rock music. But they also have their own bands now. And the difference between when I was 15 years old to now is kids have a lot more distractions. They have a lot more things pulling them in different directions, whether it's the video game technology, which wasn't as prevalent when we had Atari. I think maybe Nintendo had just come out with their first console. You know, but it wasn't like you spent the whole day playing that stuff or you 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 didn't, you know, submerge yourself in like Call of Duty or these games that these kids have now where they can talk, right. they can talk to their friends while they're playing, you know, with a, with a headset or an earpiece or whatever. That didn't that wasn't even a thought back then. There's, you know, obviously different activities. There's just so many things. There's social media now that's pulling them away from mm-hmm. other things. So basically when 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 I was growing up, an album or a CD was like a babysitter for me. Right. Like (laughs) I would take that album into my room and I would lose myself into that album for a few hours. You know, when, you know, when I first bought it and, you know, my mother knew where I was, I was in the bedroom listening to, to this new record. You know, I wasn't, you know, online or I wasn't in social media where my parents had to worry about who I'm online with and what I'm chatting about and all this stuff. So it was, it was pretty simple. And I think now, you know, because there's so many great new rock bands out there that maybe it's not 
too many platforms. Maybe it's not, you know, there's so many different ways you can find new music. Because that is a positive, right? I mean, it is a positive that you can have different outlets to showcase your music. Maybe it's just too many distractions. I think, um, it, it, like like you're saying, I definitely think it goes both ways. Because, like, the era of, you know, you guys go to the record store, you pick up a new record that you and your friends have been dying to hear, and you go home, you all listen to it, you know, you try and learn the words, you read the little booklets and stuff. That doesn't really happen anymore, or at least uh, in the vast majority of uh, this generation. I know I certainly do those things, but I do think I'm kind of a niche market just because music is my thing and it's not everybody's thing. But um, as far as social media goes, it definitely has its pros and cons because, I mean, if you aren't filtering things out, you'll just get all this garbage thrown at you, you know, between the politics and whatever. Social media is kind of, you know, getting taken over right now. So even people who are trying to promote their music now is like the worst time because nobody's thinking about the next record that's coming out, you know, with everything that's going on in the world. But at the same time, um, it is so crucial given the fact that nobody's really been able to go do anything for the last seven or eight months because now people are starting to have to be creative to keep themselves entertained and for me the fact that that guy uh made that Fleetwood Mac TikTok and now everybody's talking about Fleetwood Mac again for the first time and you know they're on the billboard charts almost like number one uh since when the album came out in the late 70s I think that's fantastic i think social media has really offered you know an outlet for people to kind of discover these new things that might not necessarily be new but are new to them and that might make them want to explore it more so i think social media can be used as kind of like a nudge you know a push in the right direction you know you see this video hey, what's that song in the background? And then they can dive deeper on their own time or if they're interested in it. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, you know, a nudge. You know, I know I post a lot of music on my Twitter feed and Facebook, and it's more or less a nudge to say, hey, here's some new music that you should be listening to. You know, no one no one breaks a band on social media. No, you know, no music site is breaking somebody because there's so many outlets to do and there's so many things that you have to do. But people do nudge a lot. And I think that's an awesome thing because that's something that we didn't have back then. Is It was more word of mouth. It was, hey, I made you, you know, a tape of some bands I'm listening to. Check them out, you know. and, and then Right, like you'd see a flyer on the street and be like, oh, right. that looks cool. And maybe you'd like go check it out. Right, absolutely. And I think it's good too, you know, social media – can have a way of exposing things that maybe a kid hasn't listened to. Like, I know it's sad that Eddie Van Halen passed away recently. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think I always believe out of something bad, something good happens. If this, if his passing gives young kids an opening to listening to his music, you know, an open to listen to his guitar and his, right. you know, that's, that's a, a positive thing, right? If a new generation discovers Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen because of this, because we were just talking last year, I think it was, maybe it was a couple years ago, about how, you know, Billy Ellish didn't know who Eddie Van Halen was. And then there was all these. Right. There, yes. Yeah. There I were, forgot. Right. There were all these articles about, you know, is Van Halen just going to be one of those bands that just fades into you know, the sunset and, and it's one of those bands that, you know, only a few people will hear about 10 years from now. And it was a sad, you know, thing. It's like, Oh my God, Van Halen was so big in the eighties and late seventies. Right. So maybe it'll offer a resurgence in their popularity and also in a resurgence in the influence of Eddie. Cause we've also talked about the lack of young guitar heroes, right. That were existence yeah. back then. So maybe this is all good maybe to make some sense of his death and his passing this can be something that can make us all heal and you know kind of ease that pain because maybe this will offer that to younger generation yeah like you were saying of course it's like a travesty that he passed away because you know it came so suddenly nobody was really expecting to wake up that day and see uh that he had passed but um like you said you know there's 
always kind of good with the bad. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much coverage he really did get upon his passing, you know, by all the popular media outlets and everything. It was like everybody was talking about it because he had such an impact um, on, on music, on the world. So I think him passing and the amount of coverage it got definitely will expose more people to, you know, oh, who's this guy that everybody's talking about? He must have been great since all these people, you know, are mourning his loss to this, you know, to such a high degree. So I, like you said, I do think um, that his passing maybe will have a positive um, influence on the younger generation. And ultimately, I think maybe that's what he would have wanted, you know, if anything, that his legacy is still going to go on. You know, his son is still alive. Wolf isn't going to let that just die out. So like you said, the good with the bad, you got to look at it positively. Absolutely. Um, To kind of correlate that too with, you know, the Motley Crue movie, The Dirt, that came out in May yes. of 2019. Yes. You know, you had a whole surge, you had a surge with interest in the from the youth of today. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my son and his friends. You know, I, I took, funny story, I took him and two of his buddies to a record store this past Sunday. And, okay. you know, my son's been to a record store because, you know, I, I still buy physical copies of music. So he's, his, I think his first album he ever bought was Sonic Highways by Foo Fighters. And, Good one. Yeah. And so I took, you know, to, all his friends now are getting into rock music. So two of his friends wanted to go to a record store. So we went to a record store and they were like, they walked in and they couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was just, an, you know, a building with music in it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like right. you know, music, vid- you know, music posters and, you know, novelty items and stuff. I mean, they had like, I don't think they, they understood the, Stuff like this exists, and it was pretty prevalent, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh-huh. So they had a great time. I mean, I mean, they were buying music and, you know, Motley Crue and Ozzy. I know my son wanted to get the new Tyler Bryant album and the new Struts album. So it was a cool moment for me to experience that with them and them just being kind of overwhelmed with physical, you know, copies of music and rather than just point, click, and download. And right. I know I've been, you know, I know some people kind of laugh when I keep mentioning it, but the physical connection to music was very important to me. And it was a very important to a lot of rock fans over the years. And I think the mm-hmm. lack of that physical connection is what's hurting rock music the most in terms of being prevalent, being relevant. Um, because it's, it's, it's the relationship is different. Now music is more background than it was for the younger generation. You have it in your video games, you have it in every store you go shopping to, you know, at, and it's not like it's, it's not special anymore. And I think that hurts the connection with the younger generation. I, sir, I see your point. I really do. Um, because it's like for me growing up, I was lucky that I had parents who took me to the record store because they were music people. But for the kids who don't grow up in that environment necessarily with parents who, you know, hail rock music or any music in general, you know, they don't get that experience. And in my personal experience, I think it has a lot to do with also like schooling because the art and music and those kind of creative outlets aren't pushed in schools anymore. I went to a very American, you know, it was like a movie high school, you know, we were a football high school. We had homecoming. It was very sports oriented. And the people who, you know, did band or chorus, I studied music theory. There were seven people in my music theory class. So the funding wasn't there the interest because everybody was more focused. Okay. We want to get a football scholarship. We're going to get a cheerleading trophy, you know, whatever uh, it may be. I think it has a lot to do with like the influence growing up. It's like you spend half of your adolescence in schools around your friends with these teachers and you're not getting music really pushed on you anymore. So I I do think it has a lot to do with just the way, uh, not even my generation, but maybe whatever the generation below me is. I'm 22, so like whoever would be in school now, 
Um, I don't know what their generation X, Y, Z, whatever it's called, but um, I think it's important for like schools and programs like that to realize that like music and the arts is something that's really important and it saves a lot of kids, you know, you don't know what's going on in their home life. So, you know, you put on the headphones and you block it all out. And I think that's uh, something that's really lacking today. I remember taking music appreciation in class. I, I, I went to a Catholic grade school, uh, first grade, oh boy. yeah, first grade to eighth grade. So <laughs> I remember, you know, I had a penguin, uh, sister Benedicta who taught music appreciation and we learned all about classical music like Tchaikovsky and Beethoven right. and Mozart and all that stuff. And, you know, I have an appreciation for that stuff, you know, because I was, I learned a lot about it. Um, but I was still, I mean, I was listening to rock and roll first, second course, grade, yeah. you know, I mean, my brother really was my gateway to music, you know, because whatever he brought into the house, I would listen to, you know, whether it was through his mm-hmm. bedroom, bedroom door when he was blaring his stereo or just me being allowed into his room as a younger right. brother, you know, and listening and checking it out. So I, I had that, I was, I was fortunate to have that gateway that maybe a lot of people didn't have. But, you know, when you think about young, young people and music being pushed on them, I still remember going to friend's house and just us sitting around the backyard listening to music on a boombox or, you know, in their basement, you know, listening to music. Whereas mm-hmm. now I think it's video games. Everybody's playing video games and everybody's doing that. And then the music is on in the background and yeah, you know, they may be absorbing it. Um, but it's just different. It's not like, like I said, it music to me right now, in, in my opinion, the way I see it, it just, it's not a special event. When a, when a record came out, when I was younger, it was like, Holy cow, Friday, we're going to get paid and we're going to go to the record store and we're going to just going right. to We're just going to drive around town and listening, listen to this, this album. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, it, it now it's everything is accessible online, which is great, right? The accessibility is awesome. That's a positive yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I yeah. totally agree. But having that physical copy where you're checking out the album cover and you're reading the liner notes and you put it in your CD player and you're laying on your bed and like you said, you know, we're reading the lyrics and we're and, and we're, you know, listening to that. That was a moment. That was like leave me alone for two hours. I'm, I just right. bought this album, you know, when's dinner going to be ready, mom? Okay. All right. I'm going to go listen to this. And that was it. Where now it's like they download, they listen for it for another minute. They click to the next song. They click, they click. The attention span isn't as what it was. So it's just different. And I, you know, I go back to that original question where people of my generation, the classic rock fans, which is now considered classic rock, you know, what responsibility do you think we have, um, you know, specifically for the young kids to 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 have an interest in rock music? You know, I think um, like like I was saying earlier, like if you have children, like I, I, I'm personally not planning on uh, having any babies, at least anytime soon. But like you bet if I popped out a kid, that kid, you know, is going to be wearing a kiss. I have purchased a kiss onesie just in case, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> who knows? Like, um, just because I was like, you know what, this is on sale. I want it. I just want to have it. One of my friends might have a baby, you know, God forbid, you know, maybe I have a kid one day. Um, you know, it's like, I just always have to refer back to my dad because, you know, my mom, she was into music, but she was more hip hop R&B. So I have that influence as well. But my dad was really like my older brother growing up. He was like my best friend. So, you know, he would come home with like a bunch of CDs. There wasn't a time in our house where music wasn't being played, no matter what it was. So I couldn't imagine, you know, living in a household that doesn't celebrate music. And I think it's really important to celebrate music because you know it just creates a good environment it's something to talk about and like you were saying before like it's not something that's talked about anymore you know you log on to spotify or apple music whatever you hear a preview of a song and you're like oh that's 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 cool but like meanwhile like with people my age or younger it's not an experience for them you know 
I go and I pick up a record. I'm like, oh, who produced this? Who mixed this? Who did the engineering on this record? I don't even think if I mentioned produce, mix, and engineer to another person my age, they would have any idea what that even means in music, you know? So um, there's no more, you know, opening up the cassette tape and reading the little notes they wrote or flipping over the record and, you know, seeing the lineup and the cool pictures that come with it. It's no longer both a visual and an audible experience. It's just, this looks cool. I'll click on it, you know? I've told the story a few times. You know, this, the band South of Eden, which is this new band out of Columbus, Ohio, which they're just fantastic. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. I was taken aback when my son and his friends were on social media waiting for the album to drop at midnight. And this is a band that had not released anything yet. And here uh-huh. they were Here they were on Snapchat going, oh, I can't wait. You know, what do you think they're going to have on the record? This and that, blah, blah. And it took me back to that time waiting in line at a record store before midnight when I knew a new album was going to be out and experiencing that. That's the line at the record store today. Friends on Snapchat or friends on social media talking about something. And then when the album drops, they're all listening to it at the same time, which is a really cool experience. I literally got chills. Yeah. I just got chills when you said that. That just made me so happy (laughs) that they were really doing that. Because it was like uh, on Wednesday, the big Stevie Nicks, um, she had her concert, the 24 karat experience, whatever, um, that we went to the drive in. And like, that was me. Like I was texting my girlfriends like, okay, today's the day. It's the big Stevie Nicks concert day. Like we were so excited. Uh, so it, it's awesome to hear that, um, your son and his friends are kind of experiencing the same thing now. Well, yeah. I mean, it changes, but it's, it's evolving. Right. And that leads me to my next question regarding this topic is technology mm-hmm. what, what does the industry need to do what does rock music need to do to be innovative in terms of technology to grab that youth because let's face it you know kids that are teenagers today are more tech savvy than I was than you were I mean they I mean they're basically growing up with it you know oh, of course yeah you know, as soon as they pop out of the womb I mean it's like they're they're on social media it's like so they so they have that connection. That's that's gonna, that's a big part of their life. Now pop music and hip hop and R and B are all, you know, releasing singles that are capturing the t- the attention of the youth. Where rock and roll is kind of behind, and I don't think rock music really adapted to the new way of listening to music. I think you know they still have that mentality that let's release a physical copy, which I still think they should do. I think everybody should still release a physical copy of their, Oh, absolutely. Of their album. Yeah. But I just think that what can, I mean, when you talk technology or innovation with the music industry, they don't want to talk about innovation. They don't want to talk about technology. The last time something innovative, innovative came along, they lost all this money with Napster, right? They don't want anything that's oh, going yeah. to mm-hmm. rock the boat, right? I mean, they, they've, they've learned how to make money with streaming. They have, reoccurring revenue every month which basically screws the artists i mean yeah people don't even understand how much the artist is getting screwed so they don't want anything new or innovative they're they're comfortable the way it is they want it to stay the same but what can you know rock music do to bring back that youth audience i think sorry to be long-winded here but i think that with the pandemic and the angst and the anger that's being created in the younger people is a recipe for success with rock music because rock music always thrives on that right. and that anger, that middle finger. And when you have kids doing the same thing every day, being annoyed and pissed off, this is the time. This is really where, where it could and should happen. Yeah. For younger people, um, social media is really the ticket. You know, nobody is going the store and going to pick up, you know, we don't have a metal edge anymore. We don't, Rip Magazine barely exists. You know, that kind of stuff doesn't really happen. And um, as far as the more mainstream rock magazines, you know, I think Krang, Metal Hammer, those kind of things, It they showcase new music, but the physical, like, nobody's reading a magazine. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> like, you know, right. I, I don't know anybody who just has magazines that they flip through. So I think social media is uh, really the big ticket uh, for the younger generation. 
and uh, the newer bands, like, you know, you were saying earlier, Tyler Ryan and the Shakedown, the Struts. I think they're doing amazing. I really, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, this kind of stuff to take years and, you know, however long the process may be, I think bands like that who are mainstream, you know, their music can totally be played on the radio. And so I think that's really important that those bands are now kind of coming to the forefront and they're having fans who are, you know, your age, they have fans who are my age, they have fans who are even younger than me, they have fans who are even older than you, you know, it's kind of all across the board. So I think um, the resurgence of bands like that, you know, the uh, whatever it's called, modern rock, let's say, uh, is really important and um, that they're playing out too. And like you said, they're getting the physical copies into the hands of the youth. So they, they are getting to experience that. Oh, I really like this band, their new records coming out. Let me buy it. And I think that's really important that they're going past opening Spotify and streaming a song because that does literally nothing for the artist. And I think it's also important to educate people because for me, most of my friends and the people I hang out with are somewhat involved in the music industry and do have a grasp on how things affect the artist, how this affects the label, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just not common knowledge for most people. So a lot of people think, oh, well, I got their album on Apple Music. I'm doing a good thing. And yes, it's great that you're hearing it, but you're not benefiting the artist really much at all. You know? So I think uh, the newer bands, playing out, getting the physical copies, you know, using social media to kind of draw people in is really important. And also collaborating is really important. I know the Struts have done a lot of stuff in pop culture. They did the Victoria's Secret fashion show, which I'm sure half the people watching had no idea who they are. But I hope that after watching them, they maybe were like, hey, let me go check out this band. So I think uh, incorporating themselves into pop culture is also very important because that's what's going to get them into the eyes, into the minds, into the ears of the young people. And hopefully they'll just take that as a little kick in the right direction. You brought up a great point with the struts. You know, they, they have done some pop culture events like the Victoria's Secret TV show that was, I think, what, last fall or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they also yeah. have done a lot of collaboration with artists that are outside of rock and roll. I think their last album, they did something with Kesha. And, yeah. you know, this album, they did a song with Robbie Williams called Strange Days. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they also did something with Joe Elliott and Tom Morello on the album, too, as well. Yeah, that was like the newest one they just dropped. And I, I think that's, you know, that's great. And even though it might not be, you know, working with Joe Elliott, if I said Joe Elliott to a 16-year-old, they're going to be like, who? <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right. Um, that also will help them appeal to maybe the older audience that might not, you know, kind of dismiss them older, just that's not real like rock music, but Oh, you know, the guy from Def Leppard will work with them. So that, that, that's not nothing, you know, it helps legitimize them to the crowd that I'm a part of the demographic that I'm a part Mm -hmm. of. Right. And Mm -hmm. I also think it, it kind of does what country music does. And I've brought this up in the past where country music Whatever, if you like it or don't like it, you cannot deny the fact that they really bring their legacy artists to help showcase the new artist. How many times have we seen, you know, a legacy country artist be on a a brand new country star's new album or second album? Right. And it, like you said, it helps bring in both sides of the audience. It brings the younger audience to the legacy artist, and it brings the legacy artist crowd into the new artist, and it. It's a system that works and it has proven to work. And I'm really happy that the Struts are one of the few bands that are embracing that because I think that's really important. I know Tyler Bryant had Rebecca Lovell from Larkin Poe, who's also his wife, on mm-hmm. his latest album. And he also had Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke, too, as well. So, you know, he's even started to do that. But I think there needs to be more of that. Not to say that it every track on every new album has to have a collaboration, but at least a song or two where a familiar audience can bridge the gap to that new audience. And I think that's really important. And I hope that continues 
you know, to do your artists continue to do that. And also bring these new bands on tour with you. Right. Because that was the way when we were younger, like, you know, bands would bring in like an unknown or a band that was just starting out and you'd expose the audience to that band. And that doesn't happen as much as it should, like it did back in the day. Right. And, um, you know, I think it's about, like you were saying about uh, the albums, how not every song should be a collaboration. But uh, I do appreciate bands that are very clear with their influences, if that makes sense. I'm not saying that bands should, you know, make songs specifically to the style of their influences. But like, for example, the struts, obviously you hear some queen in there and, um, bands that are really open about who influenced them to be musicians, who influenced this record, who influenced writing this song, that'll also uh, kind of incite people to maybe go listen to those bands too, especially with like the younger people who may not be as familiar uh, with the influences. So, you know, you hear this record, you'd be like, oh, I hear some Queen in there, maybe some Led Zeppelin influences, and uh, they can refer back and maybe find interest and kind of dive in a little bit deeper. I agree. I think bands should embrace who influenced them and, and where they're coming from, right? Because mm-hmm. I think rock bands in general always appreciate everyone's journey in rock and roll because everyone's journey is different, right? Everyone's right. everyone's rock and roll story is their own. And there might be some yeah. similarities with people, but there's there's always a uniqueness about everyone's story. And I think when you hear a band saying, you know, like the struts, you hear Queen, you hear the Stones in there, you hear some Bowie, you know, and again, when you peel back the orange and you're a kid and you're listening to the struts and you like what you hear and you know they talk about Queen and the Stones and Bowie or whoever they talk to, you may want to be, you may want to go listen to that stuff, right? And listen, you know, and, and you keep pulling back the orange you know, I'll bring my son up again. He plays guitar and he's, you know, he listens to all these rock guitar players. And I said, you should lose, listen to some blues guitar players. He's like, why? I go, because <laughs> the, the more that you have influencing you, the better you're going to sound, the more depth of a player you're going to have, you're, go, you're, going, exactly. to, you're going to be, I should say. And if you're a music fan and you like the struts and you know, they like those bands I just mentioned, by you listening to them and appreciating them, your palate is going to be so much deeper with rock and roll than just, you know, I classify music fans as, you know, two ways, music consumers, right? And music fans, you know, music, yeah. music consumers are the ones that just kind of listen in the background, right? You know, they have, they know all the popular songs, music fans get into the weeds, they get into the dirt, of like you said, who mixed, who who produced, who engineered, you know, who this song was written by, you know, what track on this album, it's number three, you know, it's like, they know all that stuff. That's a music fan. And, you know, when you start to see people evolve into that, it's an exciting process. Yeah. And I think um, like with newer artists, not even necessarily like newer rock artists, but just who is prevalent in music now the big thing that's been on everybody's uh, hot topic list is uh, Miley Cyrus, who is uh, taking a hard turn into the rock and metal genre. And that's being received two ways. Either this is great, I'm so excited to hear her her take on um, the genre we love so much. And then there's the opposite side, which is the side that's... Uh, working towards killing rock music, which is the older generation who is like, she's right up from the bat. Just assume she's a poser. This is going to be terrible. She has no right to do Metallica songs, blah, 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 blah. And it's that closed mindedness that I think um, will ultimately have a negative effect on getting rock music to younger people. I agree. You know, I had a discussion, you know, the other night with, uh, a gal in the UK about this. And, you know, when you hear the name Miley Cyrus, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, someone my age thinks about. It thinks about, you know, the, what TV show was she on? And, on, uh, uh, she was on Hannah Montana. Hannah Thank Montana. you. I went to her concert <laughs> when I was seven. She held my hand. It was a big deal. <laughs> so we think of Hannah Montana. We think about her father, you know, um, Billy Ray. 
And, you know, we think about, you know, the the controversies that have surrounded her and the things that she's done. And I think it can be a good thing, right? I think anytime, you know, you can expose a new audience to rock music, I think it's nothing but positive. I want to want to like this. I want to check it out because some of the things that I've seen, like her live at the Whiskey Go-Go, it's good. It's it's really good. Yeah. Um, I just hope that it's authentic. Right. I, and, and because because rock, I agree. Yeah. Rock fans really want the authenticity. They don't care about, you know, they don't want the overproduction. They don't want the, you know, the the pro tools and, and uh, whatever they use to make everything sound great. They like right. that offense. They like the rawness of it. And I hope it, I hope she goes in that direction. Um, but even if that even if she doesn't, if she brings in a crowd into rock music, that's a good thing, you know, and I bring back the dirt with the demographic that changed virtually overnight once young kids started to see that movie. And yeah. you see the merchandise being bought prior to the dirt, you know, the people buying Motley Crue stuff over 35. After the dirt, the majority was under 35. So that's a that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah, and I think, you know, any way you slice it, you know, even if, what she ends up doing with her rock and metal album. Cause I think she just announced that she's going to drop an original, uh, an album of originals of rock music. So that's going to be interesting to see, but I think any way you look at it, even if it's not your cup of tea, it's that's a massive platform yes. for rock and metal music. And I, it certainly will draw some people in uh, who are like, Hey, I really like this song. You know, who, I don't know if she's announced the track list or anything yeah but you know this kid might hear miley cyrus do a cover of like i don't know battery or something and they're gonna be like oh this is really good i wonder what it actually sounded like and then they'll go out and kind of explore a little bit more it's just like when uh lady gaga did the whatever award show that was with metallica and everybody was like pissed off about it but you also have to realize that on the other hand this is a whole new demographic that these kids and the people who are watching this award show, which typically metalheads are very anti-award shows, but, um, but now they, they get to experience this and it might not be the conventional way or the way that we experienced it, but it's still getting to them somehow. So you have to be hopeful in that aspect. I'm interested to see what kind of players or who she has playing on the albums. Is she going to have collaborations with people? I think that'll be huge if she gets some like big rock players or not even big rock players, but names that, you know, the older generation can identify with and maybe the younger generation can identify with too. Um, it'll, I think it'll be massive. Honestly, I've seen a lot of mixed feelings about it, but I do think it's, I, I used to be a metal elitist. Okay. Like, I remember when I was younger, I saw a picture of Lady Gaga dressed as Kiss and I was pissed off about it because I was like you are not a metalhead but that's because I was a closed-minded you know 13 year old girl because I see I, metalheads in general we are very protective of rock and metal music I think it's like our babies and in a way we want it to stay ours and we want it to stay underground but is that good for the bands no they if we want the bands we love so much to succeed, we have to let them go a little bit. You know, it's like your baby, you know, get out of the mess. <laughs> right. That's a great, that's a great analogy. Great comparison to, to make. Cause I think there is something to that, you know, people, you know, mm-hmm. whenever you think of Metallica and you think of their fans, right. Everything yeah. prior to the black album is excellent. It's great. And then they sold, and then they sold out on the blackout. <laughs> you know, it's right? Like, it's like you know, bands have to evolve. And I even talked to George Lynch about this, about how fans don't like their artists to evolve. They like them to stay in their box and not change. But an artist has right. to keep changing. An artist has to keep fresh and 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 stretch themselves and evolve as an artist. You don't. I mean, there's really only one band that hasn't evolved, and that's ACDC, and they do it very well. And everybody's right. excited about their new album. Everybody loves their music. But not every artist is ACDC. Not everybody can play the same thing every album, every time they you know release new music. It's just not in their in their mindset to do that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it's really important to 
kind of accept that. And I know it's hard for metal fans because we love this so much. Like you said, like we, this is our lives for some people, you know, come home every day, we put on a record and it's part of our daily routine. And these bands, we love them so much and we want them to be ours forever. And they can't, if we want to see the bands we love, not struggle, you know, you kind of got to let go a little bit and it's hard, but it's what will ultimately benefit them. It'll benefit their label and it'll benefit the younger generation to kind of keep it alive because if they can alter their sound just a little bit and maybe not even necessarily all the time, but just have some songs that'll be more appealing to the younger audience, some songs that stay, you know, on the course that they've been on. I think it's important to have that balance. That way you're not just singling out one audience you have to appeal to multiple audiences or else you'll just stay stagnant. You won't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And you mentioned something too, a few moments ago about how, you know, rock fans don't like award shows. And, <laughs> yes. and yet the topics come up every year and I'm guilty of it too. You know, when we see the Grammy nominations, some uh-huh. of the, some of the nominations aren't even rock and roll. You see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Some of the, you know, inductees are not even, yeah, you know? not even rock and roll. You know, we see, you know, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira be on the Super Bowl halftime show. So these are like the mm-hmm. three big markers every year that rock fans get pissed off and annoyed about. But at the same time, this is going on forever. This hasn't changed. Metallica got screwed by Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull, yeah. yeah and, and, and the Grammys. You know, you think about the Super Bowl. Not every Super Bowl has had a rock act. They've had Michael Jackson. They've had Prince. You know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is all about selling tickets and selling and, and getting revenue. So they, of course, are going to try to broaden their their audience by inducting you know, people like Notorious B.I.G. or rap artist or country artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, it is the Rock and Roll of Fame. I do disagree with them doing that, but I don't understand, you know, why every year we get so pissed off. I know, I, like I said, I, I get riled up too, but I just think, you know, who cares about that stuff really? I mean, you, you know, does it really matter at the end of the day? Do we want... Do we want rock and roll to be legitimized by mainstream audiences? No, I don't think we do. What I'm saying as well, because it's like at the end of the day, do we really care that much? You know, it's, it's been happening for so long. Do we need these bands to be, you know, recognized and get this label on a plaque? No, because to us, they're, they're, they're champion, you know, they're number one to us. And we are the ones who are going to go out and buy the records and buy tickets to their shows and buy the VIP packages and buy their merch. The people who, you know, are watching the Grammys, I can guarantee you, even if Metallica did win a Grammy or, you know, whoever, these people who are watching the Grammys are not going to run out and buy a bunch of Metallica merch because they want a Grammy. They won't. It's just the way it is. So as true rock and metal fans, you know, I understand that it's frustrating because we do love these people so much and we want them to have this brand recognition. But at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to as long as we recognize them and we continue to champion them, those labels don't matter. And to continue rock and roll and to continue with the younger generation, do young teenage kids watch the Grammys? Do they watch the Rock right. and Roll Hall of Fame? Do they watch the Super Bowl halftime show? No, they I don't. don't. Even think, I don't even think, like, if you are watching the Grammys or any of those award shows, that they even air it on television right. most of the time. I don't think that even gets airplay. So even if, you know, whoever did win, it's not like people are really going to know about it unless you're following it online or, you know, tracking it because they don't even get the screen time. It's like, do we even want our artists to be disrespected like that? No, screw it. You know, whatever. They're number one to us. We are the ones who are supporting them, not whoever runs the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the Grammy. You know, I remember when Aerosmith appeared on the Super Bowl halftime show with Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. And there was was major pushback on Aerosmith because of that. But it's one of the reasons why Aerosmith was one of the biggest selling acts in the 90s, right? I mean, it was it was one of the reasons why, you know, they, they remained relevant is because they knew how to cross over into a younger 
audience and they used Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake as that tool to do so. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's like a double-edged sword. You're going to have people who can really take a step back and appreciate, like, okay, they're really open to their demographic. It might not be for my taste, but it's going to bring other people in to appreciate this music. And then you have the other side who are, like, sellouts, you know, and get really angry about it. So I just think, you know, general consensus is with metalheads is that open-mindedness is key if we want these bands to survive. When I look at the younger generation front and center here, you know, I, as I've mentioned, you know, my son liking that music, I've often brought up the subject of the lack of rock stars in rock and roll. The, and, they don't even exist. They, don't, they really <laughs> don't. And, you know, when we talk about Van Halen like we did, we think about David Lee Roth. He was the he was the he was the face of Van Halen in the early part of the '80s. I mean, Van Halen was the 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 guitar god, and you heard him. But when you saw someone jumping in the air and flying through the air and having this personality that David Lee Roth did, you know, he really was the 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 controversial figure in Van Halen. You know, when you think about yeah. Motley Crue and, and how the fact that they're still alive, but how, you know, they they were just, you know, trouble from the word go and Guns N' Roses. And, you know, you think back of Queen with Freddie Mercury and Robert Plant and all these rock stars that existed. And then you had the grunge movement come in, which was anti-rock star. And I still appreciate that music. There's a lot of stuff that I do like from that era. But now yeah. you don't have that personality that resonates and connects with the young people. And I think that's a huge, huge loss. It's weird because in like pop culture, uh, not metal or rock or anything, but in the music that's like popular, played on the radio now, I think it's kind of, it's peculiar to me that it's almost cool to them to not care, to like not have that persona. Like I, I listen to some of the music and it's very mononymous. There's not a lot like going on with like their vocals. Like it, it's very like laid back, lo-fi, vibey. And it's like people don't want to rock out anymore. It's so strange to me that that's like the norm is to just be like laid back and not really give a shit. And it, it, it's strange. And then you have the opposite side, which is the really outlandish popular music. Like I did whatever that freaking Cardi B, Nicki Minaj song is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't even listen to it, but like, they're really lo-fi, really, you know, I don't care. I'm just going to sing my song or really in your face, vulgar, obscene. And like, there's no middle ground. Like it's there. And like you said, there is no rock star. Like you, I couldn't imagine just going to a show and seeing one person on the stage, just kind of doing their thing, no back band you know they've got dancers but it's like that's not doing anything for me musically so it's just so strange what's popular now and again I talk about the struts all the time because I do love them so much but I remember the first time I saw them in concert and I was like blown away I was like holy shit this dude's in this extravagant outfit running from each side of the stage jumps in the crowd brings someone up on stage everybody dances it's like an event, it's this whole huge production that showmanship is missing. And I think it would be appreciated if more artists uh, went that route. I think it's important because, you know, who wants to go to a show and just see somebody, you know, in one spot, you know, with their backup dancers? That's not fun. <laughs> I mean, maybe to some people it's fun, but there's just such a lack of care. And, you know, the desire to be different and be innovative, you know? So I think, you know, these newer bands who are, because, you know, they still have to try and make it. You know, the Struts, I think, have made it, but there's still so many more places they can go. And it doesn't seem like they're comfortable where they are yet. And they're going to keep, you know, doing whatever they can to build up their audience and fill up those shows. So, they really care. And you can tell when you go to a show how much that artist cares. Yeah, I agree. I, I had the pleasure of seeing the Struts a couple of years ago up in Wisconsin, and they just 
absolutely blew the doors off the place. And it was just a yeah. fun, great event to see. And, you know, I walked out. I'm like, that's a rock star right there. Luke Spiller is a rock star. And I think, yeah. I think there's some, you know, young talent out there and some of these great new rock bands that are developing their personality. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's on the way. But, you know, we see the hip-hop artists and we see the rap artists be controversial and embrace that, right? They embrace that type of lifestyle. I mean, we just saw, you know, we how many, you know, rock stars or people that are in rock bands don't want to rock the boat with alienating, you know, the left side of our politics and the right side of our politics, right? Yeah. But then we see 50 Cent come out the other day and say, I'm voting for Trump. I ain't paying taxes that Joe Biden wants. I'm not going to be 20 cent. I'm 50 cent. You know, so, 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 but, 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 but my point is, is that no matter what side of the aisle you fall on, he's not afraid to say something about that. He's not afraid to, you know, embrace that. So why, why is rock music not being rock and roll? You know what I mean? Like, like we were always the middle finger. We were always the angst. And of course, punk rock, you know, it has their own deal too. But rock and roll was always that anti-establishment and always, you know, that, that attitude. And now, you know, we're in, I don't want to rock the boat phase. What is that? I don't understand that. I think it goes both ways because I certainly have seen a few very well-known musicians speaking out about, you know, their views in politics. And I think it really just has to do with this specific election, like specifically what is going on now. Because, you know, I mean, I was like eight when Obama was elected. So, like, I, I don't really have a grasp on what elections were like before the 2016 election because that's when I was in high school we were studying it and all that stuff but I I don't think it was such a huge deal to the point where people would have to be like speaking out and stating their opinion stating their stance on it because it wasn't this crazy you know world splitting thing Uh, and I think people Um, are being so cautious is because again it's just this election like everybody is so sensitive I don't know if sensitive is the word I want to be using but it's very touchy for a lot of people Um, and I just don't think you know for me I don't speak about politics really ever even in my personal life on social media I stay away from it because I know some wacko is going to come out of the woodwork who I don't even know and start some drama. So I just like to avoid it. I, I avoid the conversation, you know, let's talk about music. We can all agree about that. You know, we're all in harmony when we're talking about bands. So I try to keep things mainly focused on that just because it's like, why cause a conflict? I think that's what most people must, be thinking as well you know why am I going to say this and cause all this uproar over a tweet you know it just seems like more trouble than it's worth I also think too that people are afraid to get boycotted I mean how many times have we seen on Twitter or Facebook or just in general you know seeing people boycott somebody because of what they said and what their beliefs are whether it's Ted Nugent whether it's John Bon Jovi you know and that's very popular, um, at least in, in my generation, it's cancel culture. You right. know, you do, you say one thing, you do another, canceled, you know. And through the power of social media, it happens instantaneously, you know, right before your eyes, you could say something. And before you know it, uh, you lost 100,000 followers. <laughs> and it's, 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 you're in headlines. So, I, 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 again, that's the bad side of social media, I think, is enabling these people to just cause this insane uproar over every little thing. When, you know, at the end of the day, what I always say, it's never that serious. You know, we're all here, at least, you know, in, in my experience on Twitter, we're all here because we love music. Why are we going to bring something that's not even related to it into the mix just to shake things up? It doesn't seem worth it to me. So, it's I guess it just depends on what your prerogative is, but, you know. 
Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of it is, it's up to the person hearing the, the, um, you know, the comment, right? I mean, you know, like, I don't understand why somebody wants to boycott and take away the joy they've had from a music song or, or a, a, um, a movie or an athlete, you know, if they've got their jersey or their baseball team hat or whatever, they can say whatever they want to say. It's up to you whether to agree with it or not, and then move on with your life. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many, I mean, I love, I've said this before, I love Ted Nugent's music. I agree with right. nothing, nothing that he says, but it doesn't stop me and from I, listening to his music. Absolutely not. I think people have lost the ability to differentiate, if that makes sense. Like, you can love somebody's art and hate the person. Just because the person, you know, said a shitty thing doesn't mean that now all of a sudden their entire body of work is garbage and you're going to go burn all their T-shirts, you know? You have it, it's the same way. Like just because they're a public figure doesn't mean that they need to be villainized necessarily. Like you know, I have friends who all have different political opinions and social opinions and everything like that. And it's just you know, an agree to disagree. If we know it'll cause you know a little rift, we just don't talk about it and we keep it to ourselves. And I think that's really lacking in today's culture. Is everybody's got to get their two cents in and if somebody doesn't agree with it it's the end of the world and it, it, it shouldn't be like that you know everybody is entitled to their own opinion and honestly they're allowed to share it and post it wherever they want to so long as it's not you know harmful or anything like that but there's no agree to disagree anymore it's either i'm right you're wrong or shut up <laughs> yeah yeah and, and i think it's okay to piss people off rock and roll has pissed off generations you know, with their yeah, music. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> right. So, so don't be, I mean, if you're a young artist out there, don't be afraid of that. Uh, you know, if you piss somebody right. off and you make headlines, you know, there's no headline that's a bad headline, right? I mean, so, so you know, in terms of, of, of getting your name out there, if you're, if you're controversial, and obviously it's got to be organic and it's got to be authentic. You can't just yeah. be saying stuff just to say stuff for clickbait because people will catch on after a while. But if you yeah. if you have that in your system in your as part of who you are, don't be afraid to show that. Don't don't muzzle yourself. Yeah, and I guess it can be scary too. Um, as like from the perspective of a new artist who's really trying to make a name, they they probably don't want to rock the boat too much because you know they're really trying to gain that following, uh, and you don't want to see that number go down. You know, it's a bad day when you lose followers. So. It, it's just such a fine line. And I think now specifically, everybody's just so on edge. Anything can be taken the wrong way. So it's just a matter of, you know, I, what I, like, like, like I said, what I believe, you know, I keep to myself when it comes to things that I know will just cause a problem because I'm not a fan of conflict. I don't, I don't even want the discussion. You know, right. I know my stance. I, and I, of course I do research, you know, I'm interested in seeing what other people have to say, because of course you should always be learning and taking in other perspectives because that is important. But at the same time, you know, I can understand why certain artists kind of want to stay away from it just because, you know, why give yourself a headache that isn't necessary. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, we're going to end on that. Jade, thank you very (laughs) much for, coming on the show i thought it was a great conversation as always and i look forward to your next visit thank you so much for having me and uh for always sticking with me through all my shit (laughs) of course of course you know i mean we all have shit that we're dealing with and you know you shouldn't deny someone or 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 you shouldn't lack understanding just because someone has shit just like you that you're dealing with Right. So thank you so much, Jay. It was awesome. I'm glad we could catch up. Yeah, that was great. I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Once again, everybody, that's Jade Alicia. I'm Jay Scott from The Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay strong, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 